We begin today's year from the top line of Daf Samach Tes. The Gemara opens up with a very unusual uh, opening where it says, Tola le Rav le Rebi Baini Chiti. In order to appreciate what that line means, we look at Rashi at the top. Tolo le Rav le Rebi Baini Chiti, Sholach loy Igeres Shlemim. Rav sent a letter of greeting to Rebbe. Now, if a letter of greeting, one would assume he was asking, he sent a letter, how are you doing, and how are the kids, and how is the family, and how is the city, and how is what, all the questions that are, are uh, customary for an Igeres Shlomim. And the following question that we'll see in the Gemara, he inserted, now literally, means between the lines. Uh, on the top Tosfos, we see a little more <coughs> explanation. Tolale Rav the Rabbi Benichiti Pirush Rabbeinu Chananel Shelos Harbe Shwalo. Rav sent numerous questions to Rabbi for how you igrois tfuros zu lezu, and pieces of parchment were sewn one to the other. Ubein oisam tfiros kosav sheelozu, and between the seams, uh, the following question appears. The Kuntras, uh, meaning Rashi's explanation, and also the Ushami explain not between the seams, but between the lines. Anyway, as I said, it's a rather uh, unusual opening, but nevertheless, the following is the, the heart of the Gemara, the, the topic. That's the language of the question that Rav sent to Rebbe. Brothers Sheshibdu. And of course, we're learning this in the context of what we discussed during our previous shiur, the rights, the financial rights that a that an orphan girl, an orphan girl is a girl who's being supported from the estate left by her deceased father, that in effect her brothers inherit. Boys or males are the heirs in Jewish law. However, there are numerous rabbinic provisions entitling the girls that are part of that family uh, prior to their marriage to also receive funding for various things. We've discussed already for food support, for clothing, and for dowry purposes upon entrance to a marriage. So the question is a very brief question in terms of uh, length, meaning uh, Word wise, it all, all it says is When this question came to Rebbe, Rebbe Chia was seated there. Omar lay. Rebbe Chia asks, the word Shibdu Machru o Mishkinu. What does Shibdu mean? Does it mean that the brothers sold properties? And then the question is, can the girls go to the purchasers to d- draw their support? And again, when we say support, we're not committing ourselves to specifically what kind of support. We mentioned already a few different areas of financial interest that the girls have. Do they, are they able to go to the purchasers? Or, Mishkinu means the brothers set up the land as collateral. In other words, the, the, the fellows had, had borrowed uh, money and they gave their land as a source of collateral, a source of potential collection.
the uh, topic heading on the side where we feature the uh, geometric form, the uh, volcano shape that you see, are Deois Bemahi Koyachabas Ligvois Parnosum Azonus Mimishibodim. What is, we have the, uh, different opinions to what the strength of the girl is in collection of uh, Parnosa and Mizonos. Mizonos is food support. Regarding properties that the brothers had been mishabed. That's the language that Rav used in presenting his question. Another marking that will appear a little bit later, a crown shape highlights the word E. Havlotas efshoriot. This is to accentuate, to highlight the different possibilities that will appear. So now the first approach. Omar Lay, Rebbe, in responding to Rebbe Chia, says, My nafka mina bein mochru bein mishkinu. Whether it be a sale of the properties, whether the brothers sold off properties of their estate, or they set up the properties as a form of collateral. Moitzian leparnosa v'ein moitzian lemazonos. We will collect for parnosa. And in the past, we saw Parnosa is associated with Isur Nechosim, with a tenth of the estate that the daughters are um, eligible to receive uh, in anticipation of their marriage. So uh, Parnosa, they're entitled to, however, not for food support. You don't go, you don't seize upon properties that were sold or set up as collateral for their food support. The Gemara asks. This question lasts a couple of lines. The Rav e mochroi komibayale. Rav asked sheshibdu, but we saw that it could mean either sold or set up as collateral. What was Rav's real interest? What was his question? If his question was mochru, then nichtov le mochru. Why doesn't he simply use the word mochru? Meaning, would, the original question would have read at the top line, "Ha'achin shemochru mahu." If if Rav was questioning what is the law if the brothers set up the land as collateral, so he should have used that word. Be, use a clearer word in your question. Why did you use a word that has a uh, double entender? The Gemara answers. Notice we have a long answer here. Rav Travayu Komibayale. Rav was actually interested in both. And he figured, I'm going to use a word that covers both, because if in my question I ask, what is the din concerning their sale of the properties? Uh, things will be good. In other words, I'll get an answer for both. If Rebbe would answer that they, the daughters are entitled to collect in a case of sold properties, and all the more so the properties weren't actually sold, they're still in the possession of their brothers, just set up as collateral. However, if Rebbe would send to me Ein Motzian, that the, the Bonois, the daughters, are not entitled to collect from the sold properties, Akati Mishkano Komebayole, I still would have a doubt concerning Mishkano. Namely, I can understand that girls would not be allowed to collect from sold properties. But as far as properties still in possession of the brothers uh, that were simply set up as collateral, that I would still not know about. 
And e kasiv no lei mishkano. And had I focused my question on mishkano, would I have known about mochro? E shalach li dein motzian. If Rebbe would say that from collateral property, set, property set up as a source as an alternative form of collection for debts that the brothers had incurred, then I would say kol shikain mochro that if the daughters cannot collect from the uh, Mishkanu, their properties that they're essentially still in possession of, certainly they would not be able to collect from sold properties. So then I would get an answer for both. However, if Rebbe would answer that in the case of Mishkanu, the, the girls are entitled to draw from them for their support, Akati would still be a question. As we said before, it could be that from something they're still in possession of, that they can draw from, but things that are sold, who says? That would still be a point of doubt. Therefore, echtov lei shibdu, I'm going to write one word that really covers both, the mashmahochi u mashmahochi. It implies both. V'rabiochanon Omar. Now, Rabiochanon, remember we pointed out that this volcano shape represents opinions regarding the power that the girls have in terms of collection. Whether it's for Parnosa or for Mazonos, they're not entitled to collect. Now, regarding uh, Rabbi Yochanan versus Rebbe, Rebbe has said that they are Motsian for Parnosa, and Rabbi Yochanan is saying that they're not motzian even for parnos. Regarding mazonos, so there's agreement. Rabbi had said, "Ain motzian the mazonos." Rabbi Yochanan goes further. Not only that, ain motzian for mazonos, but even for parnosa. Now, it should be noted that Rabbi Yochanan was uh, a generation later than Rabbi. Rabbi, in fact, was a kano, and Rabbi Yochanan was an amora. So. This gives a little room for the following question. The following question lasts a couple of lines. Ibayolo. The Gemara asks, Lirib Yochanan, lo shmiele hode Rebbe? Is it possible, or is it so that uh, Rebbe Yochanan did not hear Rebbe's ruling, namely that uh, Motsian for Parnosa? The e shmiyale, and had he heard Rebbe's ruling, have a He, Rebbe Yochanan, would have accepted that and uh, and and said that for parnosa motzian oy dilma shmiyale velo mekabale. Or maybe Rebbe Yochanan actually heard the ruling of Rebbe, and still he, Rebbe Yochanan, did not accept it. Toshma. Notice that we have a a long marking. The uh, the the Toshma, the Gemara is going to then try to resolve this, try to prove that in fact Rabbi Yochanan did hear Rabbi Rabbi's ruling. The Itmar Mishames Vehiniach Shtei Bonosuben. A man died, leaving two daughters and a son. The Kidma Harishayna Vinotla Isur Nechosim. The first of the two girls. Uh, immediately collected one tenth of the estate. Although he speak of Shnia Ligvois Ad Shemes Haben, the second girl did not collect until the son died, and in that case, so the Yerusha 
falls to the daughters. So in this scenario, if we just use simple numbers, an estate that was worth $100 was left by the father, $10 were collected by the first daughter, leaving $90. The son that had been there died, uh, of course, without any children of his own, so the Yerusha falls to the daughters. It's a, it's a case of an estate with only daughters, and in a case, as the Torah says, where there are no sons, so daughters inherit. Oma Rabbi Yochanan, Shniya Vitra, the second daughter, so she forfeits her Isur Nechasim. In other words, we don't say that she'll take one-tenth off the top, just like the first one did, and then they divide the balance. But rather, Vitra means she forfeits that Isur Nechasim, and they simply take the 90 and divide it equally between the two. 45 apiece. So at the end of the day, you'll have one of the daughters having received 55, because she took the original 10, and the second one receiving 45. Let's take a look at Rashi. Vitra, we're looking at Rashi on the upper part of the narrow lines. Vitra Isur Nechasim, she forfeits her or claim to the tenth of the estate, and we don't say that let her first take 10% off the top and then divide the balance. The first one that collected the tenth, she gets it and keeps it. When you have daughters that are left in the uh, as uh, uh, as heirs, the concept of the the uh, provision of ten percent doesn't exist. When you, when you have just a collection of daughters, they're all equal in terms of their inheritance. That's Rabbi Yochanan. There's another opinion on this. Rabbi Hanina, we continue in the Gemara, where you see Rabbi Hanina underlined. Rabbi Hanina said, Oma Rabbi Hanina, Gedola Mizu Omru, Motsin Leparnosa, Vein Motsin Lemazonos. Gedola Mizu means even something more extreme in, in favor of the idea of collecting the Isur Nechosim has been said. Namely, that even from Mishubadim, Motsiyan means to extract, take away from. So Rabbi Fina points out that it has been said, Motsiyan leparnosa, fi'ein Motsiyan lemezonos. That for, for parnosa purposes, we'll take even from Mishubadim. We saw before that Mishubadim might very well include even sold properties. The, the urgency of a girl receiving her Eastern Nechazim is so great that we allow her to collect even from Mishubadim. Fiat Amris, Shniya, Vitra, and you're telling me, you Rabbi Yochanan are saying that the second one forfeits. Now, did we ever hear this expression, Motsin le Parnosa vein Motsin le Mazanos? Yeah, we certainly did. This was an expression that we saw used by Rebbe above. Ve'im Isa, if it were so that uh, Rabbi Yochanan had not heard of Rebbe's psak, 
then Neymar lay, then Rabbi Yochanan could have easily responded to Rabbi Hanina by saying, Manumra, uh, who ever said such a thing? You, Rabbi Hanina, trying to make a point how urgent it is to collect from the uh, four Isa, uh, how urgent it is for the Bonos to get their Isa Nechosim by citing some halacha, namely Motsiyam Leparnasa, well, whoever said such a thing? Rather, Rabbi Yochan's not going to say that. He knows very well who said it. Namely, it was a, it's a, a psak, a ruling of Rebbe. So it must be that Rabbi Yochanan heard about it and uh, was not mekabalit. And therefore, Rabbi Yochanan, it was where we see the second volcano, Rabbi Yochanan said, meaning even the Parnosa ain Motsian, contrary to Rebbe. The Gemara asks, Maybe uh, Rabbi Yochanan had not heard uh, that ruling uh, at the uh, outset. And when he did eventually hear about it, he did accept Rebbe's ruling. And the case that Rabbi Yochanan was dealing with versus Rabbi Hanino, that's different. Te'ika revach beisa. In that case, there was the the estate was left to only the two daughters. It wasn't a situation any longer of a an Isur Nechosim provision. When did we say there's an Isur Nechosim provision? That's when there are sons that inherit and there are also daughters that need to be cared for financially. But where the girl is going to get a lot anyway, by virtue of the fact that she's a a co-heiress, she doesn't need the Isur Nechassim. So in that case, Rabbi Yochanan says, Shnia Vitra, because of this idea of the Iko Revach Beis, so there was a lot of money. Revach means a lot. There was a lot of money anyway for her. But in the case of brothers that are still present and they had either they sold their properties or, or they set them up as collateral, Rabbi Yochanan could very well agree that the girl, because of the uh, importance of her receiving this financial uh, allocation, she will get her Iser Nechosim. And we would motzien uh, leparnosa. Even Rabbi Yochanan would agree. Omar lay Rav Yemar Ravashi. Elo me'ata. If this idea of revach beisa is a factor, then the eco revach beisa. If the uh, girl finds an, uh, a lost article, and let's just assume for our discussion that it's, a, it's an article of value, so she finds something, creating something of a value for her. Hachinami delo yavinon law iser nechosim. Are you going to say that also would be reason for withholding from her the iser nechosim? Omar lei Rav Ashi says back ano revach beisa mei hani nechnichsi koamina. I spoke about revach beisa the. The circumstances under which we will withhold the Isa Nixi is because there is great profit for her from these properties, from the same from the same estate from which the Isa Nixi would have 
been paid, so from therein she is profiting by virtue of the fact she is a co-heiress. But just because of some kind of outside profit, um, some out, outside uh, acquired wealth that she might uh, experience, that's not reason for depriving her of the Isor Nixi. As you can see, a slash mark appears. That indicates that that which follows is a new trend of thought. On the side, we have a nosei mivne heading. A bow tie shape appears. De ois law. These are opinions regarding the following issue. Haim habas legabi hoisur nechosim balchoiv oyoyreshes. Is a girl, with respect to the Isur Nechosim provision, the tenth of the estate that, to which she is entitled, is she considered a Balchova creditor, or is she considered an heiress? Nafkamina, there's a, a practical application of the distinction. The Nafkamina is Lisluka Bezuzi O Aro. Can she be paid off? With uh, some some cash or with one piece of land. Furthermore, the balaschov. If she is considered a creditor, show me. She's a creditor of whom? With regard to this Easter nechasim, shel ho'av, oy shel ho'achim. Is she considered a creditor of the father? Namely, that it's the it's as if the father owed her the money. Or is she a creditor of the brothers? Nafkamina, the practical, um, let's say, outcome or application of this distinction, Legabi, Ligvois Sheloi Beshvua, Ligvois Dafka Ziburis. When collection is made, can she collect without needing to take an oath? The idea of Taking an oath is characteristic of one who collects debts from an uh, left by a father, and the collection is made from the heirs of the estate. So, if she would be considered a creditor of the father, and she is coming now to collect from the heirs, she would need to take a shvua. She would need to take an oath that she had not received any payment till now. However, if she's considered a creditor of her brothers, well, they're alive. And hence, you don't have the rule of one who comes to collect from the properties of heirs. They're not heirs. They, if she's a creditor of the brothers, it's then that they owe her the money. And it's not a function of of their benefactor having owed the money. And the second point mentioned is Ligvoi Stavka Ziburis is her the, the payment made to her if the payment is made to her as uh, as a Balchov of the father then the then uh, Ziburis we didn't mention is, is a uh, lowest quality property when a person uh, has several different qualities of property so the lowest quality of property that they have 
is considered the is, is called ziburis. So if she is a balas chov, if she's a if, if she's a creditor coming to collect as a result of a father's debt, then she would be collecting ziburis properties because when you're collecting from properties of heirs a debt owed by their benefactor, they are able to pay out from Ziburis. However, if she is a creditor coming to collect a debt that the brothers are said to owe her, then we treat her as a regular uh, Balaschov, and a Balchov collects from Bainonis, middle quality properties, assuming that a person has several levels of property in their possession, the and, and they're going to pay the debt off with land, they would pay from Bainonis for debts that they themselves owe. So now we uh, turn to the Gemara after that comprehensive introduction. Omar Amemar, Bas Yoreshes Havya. With regard to the Iser Nechasim, the daughter is considered an heiress. In other words, when the rabbi, when the rabbis enacted the right of a girl to to receive one tenth of the estate, she's receiving it as an heiress, not as a collector of a debt. Omar le Ravashi le Meimar, ilu boi lisluka bezuzi. Hochi nami delo motzi lisluka, as an heiress, then that means she is considered the, she's the owner of ten percent of each parcel of land, and therefore if they should want to push her off, pay her off with cash, and, and, and force her that is, force her to accept uh, cash instead, are you telling me that they would not be able? to do that, if she were viewed as a creditor, a creditor is interested in receiving the compensation for the debt that he had extended. But she's not considered a creditor. She's an heiress. That means she's the rightful owner of 10% of the estate. So, does that then mean that if they were to try to pay her off with cash and force her to take that instead, they would not be able to? That is correct. They would not be able to. If they were try to to remove her claim, to push her off, to pay her off with one of the parcels of land. Are you going to then tell me as well that since she's an heiress, and as an heiress she's a, a, a part owner in each property, each and every piece of land, she, she is a part owner. 10% of each parcel. So, they would not be able to push her off by say, take this piece of land and all the rest we keep. Because you're calling her an heiress, you're going to say they would not be able to make such an offer to her to insist on it. That's correct. They would not be able to do that because she is a Yoreshes. Ravashi Omar Bas Balas Chov Havya. Oh, she's a mere creditor. In other words, she has, there's a debt that's owed her of 10% of the value of the estate. And if that be the case, so they could push her off, they can say, take the cash 
value of 10% of the estate or take one parcel of land which corresponds to 10% of the land. Notice we have a long point now. Viafa Meymar Hodar Bey. A Meymar himself, who was featured in the previous bow type, he too had a change of mind to eventually hold that the Bas is a Balas Choiv. Rav Minyumi tells us, I was once standing in the presence of Almeymar, and a woman came to him to have his koboya isur nechosim that was seeking out her ten percent. The chazise ledate, and I I noticed says Rav Minyumi, I noticed that uh, as far as Amemar's thinking is concerned, the boy lisluka bezuzi avamisalik law, that had they wanted to pay her off with cash, they would have been able to do so. Showing us that she is the daughter, the the woman, the was a, uh, uh, the woman in this case is viewed as a balaschov. The shami meachi the havu koamri law. I Rav Nechumit says I heard the, her brothers saying to her, "Ilo havu lonzuzi salikno bezuzi." Had we only had some cash, we would pay you off. With cash, the ishtik and Amemar remained silent, showing us that that's that he he's, he's agreeing with what they're saying. The hashta the amris balas chov hafya, and now that we're describing her as a balas chov, as a creditor coming to collect the debt, the question is raised: the abo o the achi. Is she a creditor of the father, who is now deceased, or of the brothers? What difference in halacha does it make to whom she is considered a creditor? The nafkamina, the practical difference applies. Is she able to collect middle quality properties? That's bainanis. Middle quality properties without having to take an oath, or is she entitled to only poorest quality property and as and has to take an oath as well? My. Now, as we pointed out in our elaborate introduction, possibility one of the Mikvah Bena Shobishwa, that would reflect her being a creditor of the brothers. When a person who, let us say, loaned money He's a lender, and, his, and the, the due date for the loan to be collected has arrived, and he goes to the borrower and says, I want you to pay up. So he's in, the lender is entitled to receive payment without having to swear ahead of time that he didn't receive anything till now. The idea of taking a shvua is applicable when you're confronting heirs that uh, they inherited property. They, they don't know whether their father had paid off the debt or not, so if if the if the Balchov is trying to collect his debt uh, in order to add uh, a, a sense of, of certainty, of assuredness that he hasn't been paid off already, he has to take an oath. And not only that, the payment that he's able to collect from the heirs is from only the poorest quality property that they have.
So the question then is, is she a Balas Chov of the father or of the brothers? Toshma, we have a, a, a response, and there's a little uh, chart, a little family chart or diagram that uh, one needs to see before appreciating what we're going to learn. So on the side, there's a little star, and it describes Rav Ashi having some uh, children, and amongst the children has a bas, and we circled her. She's going to be the one coming to collect in this story. He has a son, Mar, Mar Bray de Ravashi. And he had another son, uh, his name is Rafsama. Now, there are, you can see there's some slashes through the names and their numbers. So there was an, uh, a situation that unfolded as follows Ravashi's son died in Ravashi's lifetime. So you can see that Rabsamo died. There is a nechet, there's a grandchild. And after Ravashi's son died, uh, this is a sad uh, reality of life that there are cases where uh, fathers bury their children. And this uh, sad reality uh, applies uh, to the most righteous of our people as well. And here you see, this is something that Ravashi experienced. Needless to say, you have, of course, the famous Gemara in the beginning of Brochus, where Rabbi Yochanan buried ten children. Uh, an incredible tragedy. But we have to, uh, we have to recognize this. And here you have this happening to Ravashi. And then after his son died, Ravashi himself died. Now, in the Gemara, we're going to see that when this daughter of Ravashi comes to collect her Easter Nechosim, she'll be collecting from the estate left by Ravashi. Where, where is Ravashi's estate? Well, it was inherited by Marbre, Mar, his son, and it's also inherited by the grandson of Ravashi that you can see is called Nechet. Now she's coming to collect. When she collects from her brother, she's collecting Benunis without needing to take a Shavua. The collection from her brother shows us this collection from Ravashi's son uh, without a shvua is indicative of her being a balchov of the brothers not of the father so from him she's able to collect without taking a shvua however when she collects from the grandchild that grandchild is in possession of the properties as an heir to the properties he, it's, it's his father, Rabbi Sama, that had been the Balchov to the daughter of, of Ravashi. He's, he's an heir. So the, the girl's collection from that Ben of Rav Sama, that's a collection that will necessitate a Shavua. She'll have to take an oath that she had not received anything prior to this. And all he'll be expected to part with by way of land to pay her is the Ziburus quality land the low quality land so now we take a look at the Gemara after the question has been raised Ta Shma the, the Ravina uh, Ravina by the way he's the one that oversees the, the uh, allocation of properties as we saw in the chart the Ravina Agve Labarte Dervashi Ravina enabled the daughter of Ravashi to collect. Agve is enabling her to collect. Mimar bereid Ravashi, Benunis Shalobishvua. 
middle quality property, not to, not the cheapest property, but the middle quality property, without having to take an oath. Mi brei de Rav Samo, brei de Rav Ashi, ziburis bishwa. However, the uh, uh, contribution that the grandson of Ravashi will make toward the Easter Nechassim, that will be made from Zibura's quality property, and only if she would take an oath prior to that. Sholach le Rav Nechemio braid Rav Yosef, le Rabo ba Rav Huna, Zuto, Minahardo. Rav Nechemio sent a, a message to Rabo, the son of Rav Hunazuta from Naharda, Kiasio Ha'itzo Lekamoch, when uh, the following lady comes to you, Advo Yisr Nechosim, enable her to collect the Yisr Nechosim, Afilu Mitzrubula, even from the base of the grindstones of her father's estate. It's Trabula. Rashi right across says, Moishiv Amasarechayim. It's the, the base of the, uh, one of the aspects of the Rechayim is a grindstone. Kamoth Shehain, as it is. That base of a grindstone is fixed into the ground. It's considered ground. It's not considered a portable. And Eastern uh, Nechosim is collected from Karka, from ground, from real estate. Omar Ravashi, Kiavino, we continue in the Gemara, Ravashi says, Kiavinon Bei Ravkana, when I was studying in the Yeshiva Ravkana, Havimagvinon Afilu Me Amlo Debesi. Ravkana uh, enabled women to collect their Isur Nechosim from rent income. The income from real estate has the status of real estate, uh, as opposed to portables. And uh, if you categorize a woman as a balas hov, so she's entitled to collect only from the real estate, or that which is categorized as real estate, and not from portables. And we continue now with a, a misa. There's a story. Uh, of course, the story is related to the topic uh, that we're dealing with. Uh, the uh, issue of uh, a woman collecting her Eastern Nechosim and uh, collecting from uh, land as opposed to portables. The story you're going to see has a very, very dramatic side to it as well. On the side of the Gemara, we have a no say topic heading where a firebox appears. Rav Onon is a central point in this piece of Gemara that will keep us occupied till the uh, uh, upper part of Omid Bay's. Ravonan is featured with this marking, Maisa Shikoshulini Gvias Isr Nechosim, an incident involving the collection of Isr Nechosim, Shebo Ravuna Ne'elav Ayadei Ravonan. We'll see that Ravuna <coughs> experiences a sense of, uh, of um, embarrassment or shame as a result of Ravonan. Vadvorem Higil Lefnei Marukva. And the, the case comes to the attention of Marukva. Sholach lay, and did, did we note uh, that we have this a long Misa marking, so that you take note of the fact that this will keep us busy till the top of Omid Beis. Sholach lay Rav Onon le Rav Una. 
Rav Onan, with, uh, through an emissary, had sent to Rav Huna the following. Huna Chavrin Shlam. Hello, Huna, old buddy. And I'm saying it that way because uh, with that, we'll appreciate the unfolding of the story just a bit more. So, Chavrin is a is a indication of his being a colleague, a friend, on a very a very familiar level. So he sends Rav Onan sends Rav Huna Huna Chavrin Shlam Ki Asya Kamoch. Like we saw before, uh, Rav Onan sends a message that when a certain lady comes to you, Adva Iser Nifsi, enable her to collect her Iser Nifsi. Provision. Rav Sheshes was present, was seated by Ravuna when this uh, letter or when this message arrived. Omarle zil emole. Ravuna says to Rav Sheshes, "You go to Rav Onan and say as follows." Now, we're just skipping the bracketed section for a minute. The following is what you are to say. Onan, onan. When you say that the woman should be allocated her isunirsi, do you mean from uh, land or even from portables? Ooh, a second question. Man yosiv be marzicha beresha. At uh, and at a beimarzicha, who said who sits at the head? In order to appreciate the dynamics and the melodrama here, one uh, will discover as the story goes on that Rav Huna was uh, we'll call him the 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 great the greatest of his generation. He was the the leading rabbinic figure. Uh, Rav Onan, in addressing him this way, was placing himself on par with Rav Huna. Uh, in, in reality, Rav Onan was not on par with Rav Huna. Rav Sheshis was a was in this story a, even a lesser figure who is being summoned or requested by Rav Huna to carry out the following mission to uh, to uh, respond. To Rav Onon's um, instructions and the the way he phrased it, the way he addressed Rav Huna, you give you respond to him as follows with these uh, with these two questions, but specifically in this fashion, saying Onon Onon, and and who's going to have to do the we'll call it the dirty work over here? I don't know if that's a respectable expression, but who's going to have to do the to, to do this so say unpleasant task? It's Rav Sheshis. So, we mentioned just in passing that Rav Sheshis, in amongst these three figures, he was the least of the scholars at this point in time. He was the youngest of them, if you will. So he's being put to a, a very unpleasant task from his vantage point to, to uh, speak somewhat uh, derisively to a greater man, to Rav Onan. And Rav Huna puts him up to this. So, we skipped uh, a few words... We're going, to, we're going to go over them again. Uh, Rav Huna said to Rav Shesha, Zil Emolei, I want you to go and tell him, Ubeshamto Yehei Mandalo Omarlei, and you should know that if you don't say it, you, Rav Shesha, will be excommunicated.
So Rav Sheshis' hands are tied. You can just imagine how he feels, and the Gemara will reflect his feelings in a minute. So Rav Huna is saying, you go, and you better go, and if you don't, if you don't say the following, the following text, you will be in excommunication. You'll pay the price. Well, the Gemara goes on, the story goes on. In the middle of the line, we see the squiggle on line, Ozal, Rav Sheshes, Rav Sheshes went to Rav with a sense of trepidation. Omar Lay, and he offers the following introductory remark. More Rabba, you are a great man. You would, let's say, if you, if you have to rank things, you, you're, you're considered my rabbi. In other words, you're higher than I am in ranking. Ravuna, Rabbi the Rabba. But Ravuna, he is even greater than you. He is the rabbi's rabbi. Vishamuti Shamis Man Dolo Omar Lay. And I want you also to know that if the if if the following is not said, then then he who was instructed to say it will be excommunicated. Vilab the Shamis, and if not for the threat of excommunication, I want you to know Lohabiko Amino, I wouldn't say the following. So Ravonan was, this is just amazing how skillful Rav Sheshis is in, in dealing with his predicament. He's, he's according Ravonan the due respect, and at the same time, he's also revealing why he has to do this unpleasant task. It's not something done on his, uh, out of his own volition. So that... Rav Sheshis, I, as I think you can see, is maintaining the, the necessary respect uh, as far as he is concerned. On and on on, says Rav Sheshis. When you said that the lady is to receive her Easter Nixi, did you mean that she should be paid from, from land or even from portables? And who sits at the head in a Bay Marzicha? Uh, of course, you, you notice that we haven't translated by Marzicha for, uh, uh, and we haven't done so deliberately. Ozal Rav Onan Lekame Demaruk. For now, Rav Onan has no gripe with Rav Sheshis. I think that that's pretty clear here. Rav Onan went, however, to Marukfa. Marukfa was a leading uh, luminary of his time, and Omar Le Rav Onan says, Chazimor Hechi Sholach Li Rav Huna Onan Onan. Look at how uh, Ravuna addressed me as, as uh, in this derisive fashion, uh, on and on on, uh, calling me by not without any titles, calling me like that, uh, using my name twice, Eviod, and furthermore, Marzicha de Sholachli. He sent a, a second question back to me. Lo yodana ma'ini. I don't know. I don't even know what he's talking about. Omar Lay. So Marukfa says, Amoli, easy. We continue at the top of Omid Bey's. Gufa di Uvda, Hechi Hava. Tell me, what was the beginning of the story? In other words, what had you sent to him to arouse this kind of response? 
Oh my lay, so Ravonan answers, Hachiva He tells him what happened. He said, I sent a, I addressed him as a Huna Chavrin, a Huna old buddy, uh, take care of this lady. Omar Lay. So Marukva responds. He says, Gavra Delo Yoda Mai Nihu Marzicha. Someone who doesn't know what a Marzicha is, Sholach Lane Ravuna Huna Chavrin. You address Ravuna as your buddy. So we've been holding you in suspense, I'm sure you, you all realize that. And the reason we were doing this is to is to enable you to be in the We'll say the mindset of Rav Onon in this story. But the Gemara, even though Rashi actually already revealed what the Bey Marzich is, but we held off on it. Here the Gemara asks, My Marzicha, what is Marzicha? Answer, Oveil. It's a reference to a mourner. So the original question, or I should say the question that Rav Huna had sent to Rav Onon was, who sits at the head in a, at like the head of a where people are, are seated around, who sits at the head in a in a mourner's house, in a house of mourning, who sits at the head? So the uh, Gomorrah continues after saying that, uh, telling us that Marzicha is an Ovel, Dichtiv, the pasuk tells us this. The Pusik in, in the book of, of Jeremiah and the Sefer Yermio uses the word base marzeach in the context of eulogies and comforting those that experienced a loss. So you see from the Pusik that the word marzeach is a reference to mourning. Now, the, we didn't actually see an answer to the question of, well, in the, in the, in the uh, mourner's house, who sits at the head? Now the Gemara deals with that. And we recorded on the side under our Nosei, our topic heading, uh, Ovel Mesev Barosh, the, the mourner, he sits at the head in a house of mourning. The Gemara continues, Omar Rabbi Avo, Minayin Ovel Shemesev Barosh. From where do we know that the Ovel is to sit at the head? If you try just to imagine things, of course, we we prefer not to deal with uh, mourning, but it's a reality of life. We, of course, hope that uh, the day comes that ubilo hamovas lenetzach, that the that death will be uh, eliminated. But in the meantime, we have to deal with these things. And in a house of mourning, the the the, the prominent position, in other words, sitting at the head, the the noticeable head position is is uh, occupied by the mourner. It's true that the mourner is probably going to be sitting <coughs> uh, lowly on, a, on the ground, on a low stool, but he's sitting at the head, which means that even if uh, the very significant individuals, even major figures, uh, important individuals come in, uh, they are not going to be occupying what's called the main, uh, the main location. The ovel, the mourner, sits at the head. From where do we know this? So the Gemara gives us, as we go through the Gemara, uh, we're going to see uh, psukim that are cited. Shinamar, uh, the Pesach says, um, I, actually, I, we have this as number one, there's a, 
um, another source that is cited, and you'll see that Marzutra brings the second Pesach in, Shinemar Evchar Darkom Voeshev Roish Veeshkon Kemelech Begdud Kasher Avelim Yenachem that's the way the Pesach is read. In terms of that's how it's vowelized. So the the uh, the Pesach is describing uh, a situation of mourning. And it also says uh, I will dwell as a as a king uh, in his troop Kasher uh, Avelim Yenachem. Now the Gemara asks Yenachem Acherim mashma, the vowelization that is uh, given to this as we read the pasuk is it is indicative of others of coming to comfort others. So, in following the vowelization or vocalization as is, it sounds like the mourners are coming to comfort others. Of course, that is uh, hard to understand, and it certainly does not show us that mourners are sitting at the head. Omar Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchok Yenuchom Ksiv. Since in the and Rashi explains this, since in the scriptures, after the letter Nun in that pasuk Yenachem, the word at the end of the pasuk, since an Aleph does not appear. It enables us to revowelize it for midrashic purposes, for darshaning purposes. We're not telling you to change the way you read this when you read the scriptures for scripture's sake. However, in terms of what we can learn from it, we have some flexibility because an aleph is missing. Is not that means it's not present in the traditional text. You can read the same yud nun ches mem. Uh, letters as Yenuchom. It means as he is being comforted. So when you go back to the Pasuk, it says, Evchar Darkom V'eshev Rosh, I will sit at the head as mourners when they are being comforted. So you see from here that mourners when being comforted are sitting at the head. Marzutra number two, Omar Mehocha. From the following, we see that mourners sit at the head. The Pesach says, V'sor mirzach sruchim. Explanation. Mor v'zoch. Someone who is of bitter spirit. And he's, his mind is removed. He's preoccupied with his thoughts of bereavement. Naase sar lisruchim. He becomes like a minister over the Sruchim. The Sruchim are the great people that come to comfort him. So he, he becomes a minister over the great ones, which means that he would be sitting, the mourner will be sitting at the head. Omar Rava, Hilchisa, regarding the issues mentioned before, regarding the collection of the Eastern Nechassim, they are to be paid to the woman from land and not from portables. 
Bain le Mizoni, Bain le Ksuba, Bain le Parnasa. The collection from land and not from portables applies to all these different kinds of collections, whether it's for food support, whether it's for the Ksuba, when a woman comes to collect her Ksuba, and when it comes to Parnosa, the issue of the Isur Nechassan, the dowry. As we go on, we see a new Mishnah. On the side, we have a, now say, a topic heading, Abo Shishlishmos Avur Bito, a father who had entrusted money for the benefit of his daughter, Liknoislo Sode, to buy for her a piece of land. Hayim Loimar, does she have the ability to say, that I want the money to go to my husband? In other words, she does she have the power to uh, say redirect uh, or re-instruct for what the funds are to be used? The father said explicitly, I want the money to be used for the purchase of land, and then the father dies. Can the daughter introduce an alternative instruction. The Mishnah. Hamashlish mois lebito. Rashi says, Hamashlish mois lebito. Rashi in the upper part of the narrow lines at the beginning of the Mishnah commentary. Mosar mois biad sholish. A father gave over some cash to a sholish. A sholish is a, an assigned individual, a, literally a third party. But he's, a, he's a, a given an assignment to take the money to buy a, a piece of ground, a piece of land, or uh, other provisions on the occasion of her eventual marriage. So that's what the father instructed to uh, buy. That's Mashish Mosabito, and Rashi filled in quite a bit of information that the money was earmarked for the purpose of buying a piece of land. The Omeris, and the daughter says, after she, now here, she says this, according to Rashi, after she's Niseis, but Teisvis has a different take on that, and says that it's uh, after Erusin, after she enters Erusin, the first stage of marriage, she says, Nemon Bali Olai. Rashi says, I trust my husband that he won't keep the money for himself. Give him the cash and he'll buy a piece of land for me when he wants. The Mishnah continues, The appointed one must buy the land as he was instructed. And Rashi adds a point that will be seen later in the Gemara. Rashi says, uh, We don't listen to her. It's a mitzvah to fulfill the words of the deceased. And the deceased had issued specific instructions. Rabbi Yossi Oimer. Rabbi Yossi says, he responds, he says, we look at Rashi. What value is there in the Shalish going and buying a piece of land? 
even if there was no issue of cash, but rather a piece of land was already purchased. And she wants to sell it. She can sell it. In other words, you see that ultimately she can determine what is going to happen with the piece of property. Therefore, we listen to her. We continue in the Mishnah. Under what circumstances is this? This is by a, an adult. But with a minor, her, her doings are of no consequence, of no power. The Mishnah here, when it says the Gemara itself will ask, who is the speaker at this point in the Mishnah? Now the Gemara. Tonu Rabbonon. Hamashlish mois lechasonoi. A person entrusts money to a sholish, to an a, a, to an exa- to a uh, an appointed individual, for the purpose of buying a piece of land for his daughter. Vehiomeris, and the the girl says, the daughter says, Yinosnu Bali, give the money directly to my husband. After she gets married, after she consummates her marriage, so she has the power to say that. The Rashi points out, Even the father's intention was to have this money entrusted to the Sholish, the appointed one, up till her consummation of marriage. The Mishanises, once she consummates her marriage, Habal Zakai Lechol Peros, the husband has rights to the produce, to the fruits of the field. The uh, source continues, Minho Erisin, Yase Hasholish Mashulushush Biodu Divrei Rebbe Meir. If it's uh, uh, the, uh, a case of she hasn't consummated her marriage yet, and she is telling the sholish, give the money to, uh, the, to my husband, then Rabbi Meir says, no, the sholish must, must do what he was instructed to do, take the money and buy the land, and not give the money to the husband. Rabbi Yossi Oimer, when you're dealing with an adult, the girl is, uh, has reached adulthood, which means she's more than 12 years old. Whether the girl has consummated her marriage, or even if she has not, she can call the shots. She can tell the sholish what to do. Kitano, a minor, If she is still a minor, then the Sholish must do what he was instructed to do. The Gemara asks, My Binahu, what is the point of difference between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi? In other words, what case would they argue over? On the side, under the Mivneh heading, a triangle is featured, and there's the structural note. So, what do these triangles do for us? They highlight Shlavim, Levarer, B'machoikin, Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi These are stages in determining 
what is the case over which they're arguing. So you see a triangle here, and in the uh, middle of the wide lines of the Gemara, you can see a second one. So the Gemara asks, as we said, my Binai, what is the difference between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi? The uh, double underline uh, is used to highlight the case uh, where we are expected to see the difference. I could just tell you ahead of time, structurally, whenever you see E. Lamaw, you know that almost all the time throughout the Shas, whatever is presented in an E. Lamaw fashion is going to be rejected. It's essentially a long question. It's saying, and that's how we've noted the structure with a long question marking when asking what's the difference between them if you say that this is the difference well it can't be the Gemara will reject this suggestion so it nevertheless represents a stage in trying to figure out what's the difference and it's suggested if you say Kitano later you can see we have a different scenario or case highlighted later you see Gedolom in Irisin so in the meantime if you say it's Ktano Minhanisuin Ikobinayu that the case of a minor who has consummated her marriage, that that is the point of difference. The Rabbi Meir Savar Horoshus According to Rabbi Meir, she would be able to call the shots, and the money would have to be released by the shalish in favor of her husband. The also Rabbi Yosi Afilu Nami. Even if you're talking about the Nisuin stage, Gedolin Ktano Lo. Only if she's an adult, but not if she's a minor. Now, so if you say that that's their point of difference, then you're going to have to deal with the continuation of the Mishnah. And it's said in the Mishnah, by the way, you can use your arrows, and you can align this with the arrow above. You see where this quote comes from. It said, When you're dealing with a minor, a minor's decisions and will is of no concern, <coughs> is of no importance, no consequence. Now, later, after the bracketed section, but we're telling you ahead of time, this statement, Ein Maisek Taneklum, is something accepted by everybody. That's what we've noted with our, the, there's a starred, uh, single star uh, comment that says Mikana Sof Hashela from here from this point on until the end of the long question Hagmar Tochiach the Rabbi Meir Rabbi Yosi Lo Cholkem Binyan Tana that Rabbi Yosi and Rabbi Meir do not argue regarding the issue of the Tana. Now you can see at this point we have a long bracketed section and the double starred note says Machos Hasegrayim the purpose of these brackets is Laharos Te Ad Kan Iker Hadachi up till now is the main this is the the heart of the rejection of saying that Tanamin and Nisuin is the point of difference. Uh, because it's not. Betocha Sograim Nimsa Haychacha within the bracketed section, we will prove that the Seifa is a statement that even Rabbi Meir sub, uh, subscribes to. You see, when you look back at the Mishnah, if you just read the Mishnah very, very superficial fashion, you would think that it's the continuation of Rabbi Yossi speaking. The Gemara will show that, no, this statement is here to highlight that even Rabbi Meir subscribes to this. So it's the Chulei Alma, it's according to everybody. Therefore, we're going to have to find a, a, a different... Um, point of difference to answer the question of my binayu. 
of what is the difference between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi. And if we were to skip this bracketed section, we say, Elo, notice the second triangle, how we skip this whole section. The point of difference between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi would be the case of the adult aged girl uh, that has that is in a state of erusin, not uh, not a case of nisuin. Rather, gedola from erusin will be a point of difference. Now that we've laid out the structure, and I hope it's clear, we go back to the third wide line of the Gemara. After the Gemara, just to re, uh, recapitulate, the Gemara said, maybe uh, if if you'll suggest that the case of Tanamin and Isuin is going to be the point of difference, uh, do we listen to the girl or not? Well, then by then read the Seifa. The Seifa said, Avabitana ain't maisik tanaklum. Ho man, we're reading in the bracketed section. Ho man kotoni law. Who wrote this? Who authored this? That ain't maisik tanaklum. If you were to think that it's Rabiosi who's the speaker, But we already know that from the earlier statement of Rabiosi. Dioma Rabiosi, Vachieno Elo Sode, if this is uh, what you see in the Mishnah. If it were just a matter of a field that was already purchased, he writes to and she would want to sell it. Harei he mechuro she could sell it right now. Gedoylo debas zvini in, only an adult is capable of selling land. She's a bas zvini means capable of selling. Katano. The lav bas zvini he lo a minor she's not capable of concluding commercial transactions of land so it wouldn't apply so that rabiosi already excludes the tano uh, from his discussion now once again rabiosi in the mishnah is basically saying we listen to her. But to whom are we listening? We're listening to someone who's capable of concluding a land transaction. That's only a gedola, not a katana. So I know that Rabiosi is not dealing with a katana. Elo Rabbi Meir he the seifa is Rabbi Meir. The chisurei mechasra v'hochi kotoni, and as far as the reading of the Mishnah is concerned, read it as follows. That was Rebbe Meir. Do you see where this quote comes from? We have a uh, we have a star, and it's uh, a, basically it's a rereading of the of the brisa that we saw above. Uh, and actually, let me even be a little more accurate than that. This uh, rereading is of This we saw in the Mishnah, and we have to account for the the Seifa of the Mishnah, as we said earlier. So I, just correcting myself uh, with regard to a, uh, the, the Brysa citation. So that as we reread or and add, because Chisuri Mechasra indicates that the Mishnah was uh, deliberately abbreviated, so the, we have to fill in words of understanding, and we understand the Mishnah as follows, that 
we said chisuri mechshvach katani yase hasholish mashuhushlish biyado that you saw uh, under in, in, within Rabbi Meir's comment and bamed v'mamurim when do we say yase hasholish mashuhushlish biyado as a continuation of Rabbi Meir even though when you look at the Mishnah text it's very hard to see this you have to basically skip backwards but nevertheless the bamed v'mamurim is a continuation of Rabbi Meir. Under what circumstances do we say that the Shalish does what he was instructed? Min ho erisin, avomin anesuin, or shus biyado. If we're dealing with a period of time before the nesuin, before the consummation of the marriage, then the Shalish must do what he was instructed. Bamedim amurim, bigdola. And when does this apply? That min anesuin, we say she can call the shots. That's if you're dealing with an adult. Avobiktano. But when you're dealing with a ketana, the decisions, the instructions of a ketana are of no importance, no consequence. So that to suggest that ketana mina nesuin would be a point of difference, claiming that Rabbi Meir would say she can call the shots, that we see is not so. So Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Meir would agree that a ketana mina nesuin is not in the position to call the shots. A point of difference would be the girl reached adulthood, but she has not yet consummated the marriage. According to Rabbi Meir, even though she is a gedola, we would not listen to her. According to Rabbi Yossi, we would. Itmar, Rav Yudah Omar Shmuel, says Halacha Rabbi Yossi, Rovo Omar Rav Nachman Halacha Karebi Meir Paskening like Rebbe Meir is based on the idea of Mitzvah Lekayim Divrei Hames the, the uh, father had instructed buy the land therefore you have to buy the land and the, the, the reason for that even though this, the, the woman in this case she's a Gedola nevertheless it's only Mina Erisin so we want to Lekayim we want to fulfill the instructions of the deceased. Before we go on in the Gemara, we glance at the side under our no sour topic heading. Me'achar shuhusker shitas Rabbi Meir the mitzvah lekayim divrehames. Now that we've mentioned the background to Rabbi Meir's ruling that the sholish is to do what he was instructed in the case of the gedolim and erusin based on the idea that there's a mitzvah to fulfill the will of the deceased. Hagmorah via Maise, the Ilfa, Gemara is going to bring us a story involving the Talmudic personality whose name is Ilfa, Shebo Humara Kechaisa Torah, where he demonstrates his prowess in the study of Torah, Lamrod, in spite of the fact, Sheparash Lasokim, that he left the the world of, we'll say, full-time Torah learning in order to engage in business and, uh, and uh, income. The Gemara. Ilfa tolo nafshe biskaria de makusa. Ilfa went to the, the top of the mast of a ship. Uh, a ship with tall masts for their sails, and he climbed to the top. Omar, and he proclaimed, 
you're probably wondering what in the world is Ilfa, who is a, we'll see, is a great man, what's he doing climbing to the top of a mast? So Rashi tells us, based on the Gemara in Tainus, where the full story is featured, but we're not going to get into the full story. I highly recommend anyone who's curious to go look up the Gemara in Tainus and even to listen to the Gemara markings recorded Shiurim on Maseches Tainus Daf to see and to hear the background. However, uh, as far as Rashi here is concerned, um, after his friend Rabbi Yochanan was appointed to be the head of the academy, uh, Ula at, uh, had had uh, they had parted ways prior to that, whereby Ula engaged in mer- in uh, mer- uh, merchandising in in commerce, and Rabbi Yochanan had maintained a full time Torah learning schedule. Uh, after uh, it could be years passed, Rabbi Ilfa comes back and he says. Uh, if uh, they, they, when he comes back, they say to Ilfa, you know, you uh, if you had spent time and continued full time Torah study, uh, Rabbi Yochanan uh, would not have been the one appointed, but you would have been the one appointed. So he uh, gets the uh, the feeling from uh, those uh, those present. That uh, they don't uh, believe that he ha- has uh, that he has maintained his uh, Torah learning uh, capabilities. So, in order to make a point, he he does the following. As we saw, he climbs to the top of the mast, and he goes on and he says, "Ika de'osi de'omar li milsa de'be If anyone would come and cite a source. What we call Brysis, uh, Tanaic literature outside uh, Mishnayis, uh, that Brysis, these uh, Tanaic sources that were that were taught or formulated or edited in the schools of Rebchia or Aboshia, and I would not be able to show you a source for them in the formal Mishnayis below Pashitno Lei Mimasnisen, and I wouldn't be able to show the support for the Brisa in a Mishnah, Nafilo Miskaria Vetavana. I'll jump off the mast and drown. Well, that's a pretty serious offer, a pretty serious challenge that he is welcoming. Osahu Saba Tonolei and I don't know. In situations like this, you could you get a certain sense of uh, I don't know a, a cynical feeling, or I don't know how else to describe it. That if he's uh, if he's if Ilfa is offering to uh, to jump off the mast, and and how someone comes to put him off the challenge, as if it's uh, it's almost as if they want to see blood. But uh, here we're dealing with uh, great figures in the Talmud, so I I would hesitate advancing such a such an approach. But nevertheless. The, the scene is uh, fairly remarkable. So, okay, we hear Ilfa challenging anyone to put him to the test, and if he fails, he's going to jump off and drown. Well, someone comes along, he's called Hahusaba, some uh, elderly man comes along. There are commentaries elsewhere as to the term Hahusaba, what, what and to whom it refers, but for our purposes, we're just going to translate Tonale, and this Hahusaba presents a Brysa. It's a, it's a non-Mishnah Tanaic source. And the, the point is, after hearing this source, 
Ilfa's, the challenge presented to Ilfa's to tell us who is the author of this, who is the author of this unnamed source, and by saying who the, the, the name of the author is, he's in effect going to be telling us it's, it's so-and-so, and it's found in a Mishnah. And we'll, you're probably wondering, why is this story over here? So the answer is going to be, it's because of the Tanaic source is in fact our Mishnah. So now, what's the brisa that was put to Ilfa as a challenge? So the, the brisa itself has nothing to do with the issue of, of uh, daughters coming to collect uh, their Isur uh, Nechosim and they're instructing Shalishim what to do, etc. But it, it does have to do with the general realm of uh, estates and inheritance. So you have the following cases. Ha'oimer tenu shekel levni b'shabes. There's a man that's instructing an executor to uh, provide uh, for his uh, children, for his son, a shekel. It's an amount of money uh, to uh, per week. Uruuyin litain lohem sela. Now the the shekel is going to be used to buy their food, and he's telling the executor to use a shekel. However. Uh, they, they really need more. Food is expensive there, and they really take them sell. It means they, in order to subsist, they need a, a sell as a, as a coin twice as big as a shekel. Noisnim lohem sella. With the wording of tenu shekel of Nibashabas, that doesn't preclude the possibility of if they need more, they shall be provided with more. A second case. Ve'im Omar, if the father instructs al titnu lohem elo shekel, notice a slight difference in terminology or phraseology. He says, do not give to them anything other than a shekel. Ein noisnim lohem elo shekel. Then they are not to be given anything more than a shekel, even if they really need more. The Imomar, if a man said, Imesu, if my sons die without children, Yirshu Achirim Tachtehem, then I want my I want what's left of my estate to go to others. Bain Shomar Tnu, Bain Shomar Altitnu, the Altin is very terse quotes, Altitnu Ella whether the father used the phrasing that you see in number one, or the phrasing that we saw in number two, Ein noisnim lohem elo shekel. Then his sons are to receive no more than the shekel allowance per week. So that's the brisa. Omar lay ilfa upon hearing this said, Ha money, this source is in accordance with and we continue at the top of Daf Ayanom and Aleph, Rebbe Meir he, it's Rebbe Meir, and here we have to add Rebbe Meir of our Mishnah, Rebbe Meir of our Mishnah that said uh, in a different case but he said that the Shalish is to do what he was instructed to do, and we pointed out that Rebbe Meir said that even if it's a, a girl that's in a gedola, but she has reached only the erusin stage of marriage, the 
Shalish is to do what he was instructed to do. And based on what idea? It's Rabbi Meir, the Omar Mitzvah Lekayim Divrahamais. That there's a mitzvah in listening and abiding to the will of the mace, of the, of the dead, of the person who died, the uh, previous owner of the estate. So that where a, a father, as we saw in that brisa, it said, I don't want you to give to them anything above or anything other than a shekel, even though the children are essentially the heirs of the estate, but when they're minors and you have a you have an executor that's in charge of the estate, that's all they are to receive. You might ask, but if they need more to, upon which to subsist, what are they going to do? So they'll go to the public charity, or they'll go beg, or they'll set up a lemonade stand, or whatever. But the instructions must be carried out. That's this concept of mitzvah lekayim divrei hames. Omar of the final ruling regarding that brisa is Bain Shomar Tnu, Bain Shomar Al Titnu, whether the father said, like in, like in uh, example one, or he, like in example two, Sarham. We are to give them everything they need. The Gemara asks, but But did we not say that the halach is like Rabbi Meir, that we are to listen to the instructions of the deceased? And he was very clear in his instructions that uh, don't give to them any more than a shekel. So what business do you have ruling that you'll give them whatever they need? So the Gemara says, Hani mili ba'achrinaisa. It's true that mitzvah lekayim divremes when you're dealing with others. Avol beha, but in the case of a man with his sons, meinach nichale, the father himself is happy, is only too happy that they receive what they need. Behold, Yomar Hochi, the fact that he phrased it upon before his death in this very restrictive fashion of Altit Nuela, etc., Lizaruzinu Diosa. He was trying to simply cultivate the character of diligence and that they should learn how to be independent, not dependent on the estate, on uh, money that others made uh, for their own sustenance. And Rashi explains on the second line from the Tatla Zuruzinu, They should know how to seek out their own support uh, and not be ravenous, demanding individuals. So, for educational purposes, and only for those purposes, the father had said regarding his sons, Al Titnu Elah, don't give anything above that amount. But when it comes to the actual carrying out of the of the will, and there's a situation that they really need more, so regardless of the language in the original instructions, the kids are to be provided, the sons are to be provided with what they need. Tanan Hossam, the uh, Tanaic source appears uh, elsewhere that says... Pautos, Rashi says on the third line from the top, Children approximately uh, eight, nine years of age. That's a 
uh, an age where children have a certain level of understanding. They're called pu'utas. And regarding them, it is said, when it comes to portables, their, their purchases and their sales are binding. Uh, this is to the exclusion, by the way, of land. When it comes to land sale, sales, uh, we say that one has to be uh, at, at, at least an, a, a, an adult. That's Rashi says, Shiovi Cyrus. And if, 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 in the, if possibly in the absence of Shtei Cyrus, or until he reaches age 20. That's a, a discussion in and of itself where the uh, age 20 comes into play. But for our purposes right now, in our shear today, uh, metaltalin being transacted and being a binding transaction on the part of miners is, lis- is limited to metaltalin, is limited to portables, not to land. Omar Raphram, Lo Shanu Eloshain Shalapatrapis. What we just learned in this Tanaic source is true only if there's no executor. Avulyeshamapatrapis, if there's an executor of the uh, estate, then Ain Mekhon Mekach Vein Memkoron Memkar. Then transactions done by minors when there's an executor that was appointed by the father or by the court, then their transactions uh, are, of, are null and void. Mimai. From where do you know this? From the fact that the Mishnah said, our Mishnah said, The, uh, the transactions of the Ktana are nothing. The Gemara asks, how, how do you know from, from our Mishnah the rule that if there's an apotropis, that the sales of the, of the miners are nothing? Maybe, like the case of the Mishnah, there was a Shalish. A Shalish is a person, he's not just an executor, he's a person that's given in specific instructions. He was told to buy a piece of land. Uh, and maybe when you have someone given specific instructions, we say that the that the kana that the the minor is 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 of no consequence. The Gemara says, if that were true, if that's really what if that's what the Mishnah thought in Cain, listening, then the Mishnah should have said as follows: but when you're dealing with a minor, then the shalish shall do what he was commanded to do. But that's not what it says. My, why does, what is meant by ein maisik taneklum? Why, the, what is meant by that? That very general sounding phrase. Shma mino, the Mishnah is conveying the following, even in general, namely, even if well, you don't have a shalish, all you have is an apotropis, an executor, even, even though he doesn't have specific instructions, but he's there to oversee the welfare of the ketanim, we say that ein maise hakoton klum. Uh, we've reached the end of the sixth parak, the Mirza Shem, and our next year will be to start the seventh parak.